Bags down, spikes on. Welcome to the track. My name is Colin Waitzman. Going to be your host for this episode of Track World News. And we have a very special guest joining us today, uh, coming out of LSU. Uh, he was your na indoor national champion. He's a multi-all-American, fourth fastest time in, the, in world history in the 400, Noah Williams. Uh, Noah, thanks for, for joining us today, man. I'm glad, I'm glad. I'm glad you have me, man. I really appreciate it. No problem. No problem. So I know you've got, you have some really fast times that you just had recently in the, the four, two, as well as the, the four by one, but wanted to kind of take you back to start with on where your journey in track and field started. I mean, what got you into deciding to want to run one of, you know, the hardest races out there in the 400 and, and, you know, how did you realize you had some talent in it as well? Yeah. Um, well, I started running, I did like Hershey track and field. I don't know if you ever heard of that organization, but I did a Hershey track and field and it was sponsored by Carl Lewis. That's how I really found out about it. And I was only 10 years old. It was like a YMCA kind of thing. And I, I won the national championship in the 50, in the 50 meter dash at the time. So um, it kind of got my mind thinking towards the sport, but I was always about football and basketball. Um, and then when high school came, you know, I wanted to run track just to help myself stay fast and like stay in shape. Um, for football and basketball but then my coach he saw some talent in me he was like you're built like a 400 runner like you look like a 400 runner like let's just throw you in it um, and it started my freshman year and um, I'm really competitive and I never like to lose so like from my first race like I remember like I won and I, I felt super excited super happy and it and I guess everything else like is like you know this is uh, it explains itself you know like I just started as a freshman and, and I just kept getting better I stuck with it and and now, you know, the work that I put in in all these years is kind of starting to show up now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so this wasn't your first national championship that you had. You started yeah. off your first race in the 50, expanded, yeah. I guess, in your in your distance a little bit there. Uh, for you, was it was it difficult, like kind of dropping football and, and basketball and focusing on track? Because I know, I mean, for me, I started off as being a big baseball player and, yeah. and realizing like, all right, this isn't my calling, like, you know running is uh was it difficult for you or was it you know kind of an easy transition yeah it was difficult um but I knew college had to be paid for one way or another um I didn't come from a situation where you know my parents could help me out in that way or anything like that and I did have dreams of being a, a, a division one basketball player dreams of being a division one football player but you know injuries and and I'll say politics kind of drew me away from that and I knew track and field was an opportunity for me to just it's on me like it's an individual sport I mean yeah it's a team sport but like if I run the times that I knew I was capable of, like I would be able to help get college paid for. And that was really like when I decided to go all in, you know, that's when the decision was made easy for me. Yeah. Was there any particular moment? Um, Cause I mean, obviously track and field super objective, like, you know, you're fast, you know, you know exactly where you rank in the country. Like yeah. you, you have your times all, all spread out for you. When, when was it that you were like, okay, like we're, we're going all in, like you just mentioned, was it any specific race or time or was it just like a, I got to find one way or another to make this work? Um, I, I don't want to say it was like one specific race, but I mean, my sophomore and junior years of high school, I started to really rise up as far as like state rankings and like section rankings. I started to see myself like winning a lot more and I, I, people started talking about me in my city. 
like, yo, like, I really might could do this, this track stuff. And my coach, too. My coach put a lot of confidence in me in high school. And um, he told me, like, no, like, you could really, really do this. So he had me in his office a lot um, looking at schools, looking at colleges and programs that he thought that I could fit in. It. So so big, big ups to Coach Stu, Coach Stewart, and, and staying in my ear and, and really helping me on that journey, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, we can we for those watching, you can see in the background uh, a couple of people. I guess that might be a pretty big influence uh, for you. But I mean, who are some athletes that you kind of wanted to, whether it be were you're impressed by, you liked, or, or may, might have some influence with you, you know, throughout your athletic career? Yeah, the biggest one is definitely Kobe. Um, I grew up. The first basketball game I ever watched was was a Laker game. And I just fell in love with his work ethic. And it was just like his drive, even the look in his eyes. I tried to do everything like Kobe did, whether that was biting my jersey or wearing a wristband. Like like I say, I had my the little mini afro, everything. Like everything that Kobe would do, I tried to emulate it as a kid. And I feel like that really kind of stuck with me. Um, so none other than Kobe, like for real, is everything. I tried to do everything like him. Yeah, that, uh, that Mamba mentality uh, is something that, I, mean, I, I was listening to, I guess it was an uh, interview you had not too long ago. Um, it was what, on, on Instagram Live? Or, uh, was it what, the, the runner from Wake Forest? Um, yeah, yeah, it's a little Instagram Live, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, so, and you were, I remember, I, I popped right in there when you were like, you have to have that mindset of that, you're just like the best on the line. That yeah, you got, yeah, yeah, you got to feel that way. I feel like if you can go up to the line feeling as though you're better than everybody else around you, like, that's a mental advantage that you have against the whole field. And if you can look at them and tell like, uh, they don't really, they don't really got it like that or they're not really locked in like that. Um, it's just a mental advantage. And I yeah. try to take advantage as much, as much as I can. Track and field is one of the sports that a lot of people would think it's just, it's just object. You just run Whoever's the fastest person you win all the time. And, and that and whoever number, the number one ranking is always going to be the leader, but there's so many more, I think, mental games in it and these other aspects of track, especially in the 400, where really your will to win is what carries you over the line at some points, especially on that last hundred. What kind of like mental aspects have you like realized were important on top of obviously being in peak physical condition? Um, well, I mean, being confident in yourself and your training, your coaching, the work that you put in, right? So like you said, like, it's not always going to be like the fastest guy or the number one ranked guy going into the event is going to win. Um, for me, I think it's been that confidence, that confidence level. Because um, I've always been fast. I've always been really fast. Like, and I know I've known that, but I've had races in the past where I might have been lacking in that mental confidence. I might have seen a dude that was bigger than me. He was more cut up than me might have had tattoos or something, and, you know, it, it, it goes on and on, but it's like, oh, dang, like, it's no way I could beat him, you know, because of those things, but, um, yeah, for me, definitely, like, that biggest mental aspect is that confidence and going into the race or going up to the start line with that, with that extra confidence, maybe with my chest out a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, for you, you've had a, this is now your, I guess, your sec, the second chapter uh, in your journey with, with track and field, starting off at, at Akron and, and, and going to LSU. Could you kind of take us through uh, that process and, and what kind of, you know, went into your decision to deciding, hey, let's, let's change up the, the areas a little bit and, and, you know, try and be a, you know, become a Tiger? Yeah, definitely. So um, my first three years I spent at the University of Akron. Um, a lot of that time I was really injured and a lot of people didn't know that I went through two um, hurt sports hernia surgeries and a few hamstring issues. And so it was very like few and far between when I was stepping on the track. But when I was on the track, I was really successful. Like I always 
either placed first or second at all the conference championships, like from my freshman year, sophomore year, um, in the 400, 200, no matter what it, what it was. So I, I was really successful there. So I kind of was looking for something more. Like I was looking to be pushed more because I knew, you know, I broke the school record at Akron, all the competitions that we were going to, it wasn't really pushing me to what I wanted. I was like, okay, no, well, if you want to be the best, you got to go to the SEC. Like, <laughs> you know, like that's where all the best competition is. And when I entered the portal, Coach Benny had called me and um, our personalities really clicked. And I could tell the program that he had was building. Um, it really aligned with my vision and my goals personally. So that that's why I made the decision to go to LSU. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned it that you got you you got to play with the big dogs, and there's a lot of great talent on uh, on LSU. I mean, you have some of the the top sprinters. Uh, you're in one of the you're in contention for not only yourself as getting a national title, but also as a team title. Um, yeah. What's the, what are practices like? Like how competitive does it get on the track when you have, you're surrounded by national champions or people that could be national champions on the yeah. same team? Yeah. So this, like, I've never been in an environment quite like this. Like from the time we arrive to practice to the time it's over, it's constant, like, not bickering, but like, we're going to be in each other's ear. We're going to be in each other's faces. Like, bro, I could beat you. I'm better than you. Like, let's do this today. You know what I mean? And that is something that I love. Cause it's really, you got to be on your toes every day. Like you can't be soft emotionally. You can't be weak mentally. Like you got to be locked in every day. Cause if, if, if I do have a bad day or if one of my teammates has a bad day, like we're all going to hold each other accountable. Like, cause we all are trying to achieve greatness. That's, that's the thing that I love about it so much. Like, it's so competitive and like we all are really trying to be the greatest. And it's like, we're our greatest competition right now. The way that like the rankings look and everything looks right now, like we really are all elite. We're all doing great things. So it just makes you want to come to practice, like to really, really get better. Yeah. It's, it's great to have the, an environment where everyone's pushing each other, like to be, you know, to be the best you can be. Um, could you take us into like, well, for let's say today or maybe yesterday, like what was a workout that you guys have done recently um, that, you know, in, in one of your practices? I know every day is different <laughs> in track and field, but let's say maybe one that you did today or, or maybe yesterday. Yeah, so um, we did seven 100s. We haven't worked, we haven't had practice in a few days. We was traveling, but uh, our last practice before we left was seven 100s. And it was just me and Tyler practicing together at the time, but um, we always switch lanes and rotate. So what, I'll be on the inside, he'll be on the inside. I'll be on the outside, he'll be on the outside. And um, I think our break was, break time was a minute and 30 seconds. We had to come in 11 seconds or faster. Um, so that, that was, that was, and you got to jog 50 meters back every time. So, I mean, that was like a really challenging workout. Um, I think it was like our third time doing that workout this year. And each time we, either the, the rest time is getting shorter or the, um, the time we got to come in at is getting faster. Um, but that, that's a good, that's a really good workout though. That's been challenging us. Yeah. It's, it's weird hearing you saying, oh yeah, just come through at, at 11 seconds. That's, that's like, I was like my race time back in the day. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like, oh great. Yeah. No problem for sure. Yeah. Just go come through, come through with that. <laughs> so, uh, well, a few, few weeks ago now, uh, you put together really great race and actually brought home not only the national title, but also what was the, I think the world lead at the time. And now the fourth fastest 400 meter time, uh, in the world. Could you take us through that race uh, of, of nationals, um, you know, from you guys stepping off the plane to you crossing the line at, what was it, 44.71? Yeah, so this was a business trip from, the, from, from you feel me? This is a business trip. So we all talked about it like, yo, we wearing business attire, business casual attire, because it's a business trip. So get on the plane, you know, 
a little relaxed. I wasn't too tense. I wasn't thinking too much about it. Prelim day, uh, I went into it like, no, handle your business. I had to, I was in the first heat um, for prelim day, and I was actually running against the number one ranked guy in the country at the time, the world leader at the time, um, Tyler Johnson from Ohio State. And uh, my friends were like, oh, who's going you know, to win in the prelim? I was like, I mean, I'm going to just run my race. You know, I'm not really too worried about it. I'm going to just run my race. And um, I did that, and I knew I had to run fast to put pressure on, like, the rest of the guys in the other heats. Um, and to make sure that I was going to make the final. Uh, so I really went out there, ran my race. I came through the 200 about 20.9 or 20.8. Yeah, 20. Held it, stayed strong through, and then I finished in 45.3 um, in the prelim. So I felt really, really good in the prelim. My coaches were kind of concerned, like, do you think you could do that and come back and do that again tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, man, like, come on, I'm good. Um, and then the finals day, it was more of the same. I was in the second heat. I had Bryce on my outside. and um, I was like, no, if you go and run your race, bro, like they nobody could beat you right now. Like that's that was the confidence that I was moving with. Um, because I knew, you know, training had been really going really well for me. I've been healthy. Um, I kept dropping time every time I was running. And I just felt as though if I ran my race, couldn't nobody beat me. And that's what that's that was the end result, you know. So yeah, 44-7-1. What was it like seeing that time? Cause I know you're like you once you go out, it was I thought because I think the the leading time of the first heat for the final it was it was pretty fast time too i think it was what 85 something like that uh 44 um, 98 98 okay so still yeah pretty fast time when you yeah. came through and you're like okay i think i got i think i might have the national championship what was it like to actually see the number of how fast it was because that's a pretty big pr if i'm not mistaken for you yeah my pr prior to was 45 27 or something like that at, SC, at the sec championship uh the week prior but um yeah, when I look back and seen the 4471, like I was geeked. Like it was dope. Like, bro, like you really, you really just ran 44 seconds. Like people around you been saying you could do it. Like you've been saying you could do it, but like you finally did it. Like, can't nobody argue because it's right there on the board. Like, you know, um, it was cool. But honestly, like after watching the race, I was kind of pissed off because I seen like I had slowed down a little bit. I really could have got that national. I feel as though I could have got that world record at uh 4451, I think. Michael Norman's record. Um so, you know, it was it was cool in the moment, but afterwards I was like, okay, like, don't get too big-headed because you really could have did better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no one more critical about than yourself. <laughs> like, you'll always be the most self-critical about it. Be like, oh, congrats, like, you did so great. It's like, yeah, but I had more in me. Like, it yeah. was similar, <laughs> similar thing for me. Like, I was, a, I was a pole vaulter back in the day, and so I would be like, oh, yeah, oh, that was a great jump. It was, like, technically, it was, like, really great. And I'm like, yeah, but look, look at this technique. I'm wonky. I could have been – it could have been another six inches or whatever, so – yeah. yeah, you got to I mean, you have to have that mindset and um, you got to be your biggest critic for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so so something that you do that's a little off the track um, with Internet with like the international lifestyle or I know it's like international community. But could you kind of tell uh, share like what what that is and you know what it is that you're doing, you know, off the yeah. track as well? Yeah. So if, a couple of years ago, you know, I was interested in and really just it started on my Instagram where I was just like, hey, y'all, like, hey, everybody just spread positivity. Everybody spread love. And that's really where it started. And then I, I from there, I've created a blog, um, just giving people a positive word, you know, spreading love, um, speaking on things that I've been through, you know, um, things that I learned in my personal experience. And then that that kind of led to the podcast that I was doing and trying to relate sports to, you know, life lessons that you can learn to take from it. And I also like, I like customizing clothing. I, I'm always, always into fashion and clothing. So I kind of blended everything into one. 
um, with the podcast, the, um, the blog and the clothing. Um, so it's something that I, you know, I do outside of track and it, it keeps my mind going. Cause I'm not just an athlete. Like people say like you're more than an athlete, like for real, like I'm more than an athlete. So, um, those are, those are my passions outside the track and field, but I like to have fun with it too. You know, never too serious and stuff. Yeah. Well, one thing that, that I really liked, um, on your show, you were talking about the, the Russell Westbrook and also like the Lonzo ball complex and yeah. kind of mindset and lifestyle and whatever it is that these two athletes have. Could you kind of share like, what it is that makes the those two athletes in particular, you know, a little different, some stuff that you kind of, you know, have observed from their game and, and outside? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I'm a big NBA fan, big basketball fan, and I follow the culture of the NBA. And um, Lonzo Ball and Russell Westbrook are two players that I've followed for a long time. And I knew they are two players that a lot of people know. Like, a lot of people know their story and, and, and are also critical of their games. But I kind of tried to go further into why they play that way, into why it is successful or isn't successful. Um, going back to like their mindset, I know with the with the Lonzo Ball complex, I was speaking more on confidence. Like I was going back to that like self confidence or the lack thereof self confidence and how it, it'll reflect in your in your performance as an athlete or your performances, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. I feel like the confidence thing is really important, but. On the other end, you know, I feel like a guy like Russell Westbrook might have too much confidence or might be a little bit stubborn in his ways, which could also, you know, affect his performance. But, you know, that's just – these are all my takes, you know. These are all my personal takes. It's just a, a space for me to, 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 you know, let my mind loose kind of. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I mean, have you, you know, being able to observe that, those type of things, because, I mean, I, I, I agree pretty much pretty well. I think there's times where – Russell Westbrook can get you know a little too big and it can be be a detriment to either him or the, or the team. Um, right. But then other times, like in Lonzo's case, where I think he's got a good amount of confidence, I think he could you know show it a little more. But I guess everyone does it their own way. How do you have you ever observed some of those traits or whatever in yourself? You'd be like, oh crap, like I'm being a little. Uh, I gotta I gotta you know you know pull it back or ramp it up a little bit. You know, just yeah. based off of you know being you know self conscious about that stuff. Yeah, honestly, like in my personal career as a track and field athlete. I feel as though I've been more of the Lonzo Ball than the than the Russell Westbrook. Um, I got a lot of passion, a lot of rage, but it's always been like passive aggression. And I think that's like that passive aggression like really aligns with Lonzo Ball and what I've observed from him. Uh so that's probably the biggest thing I've tried to work on. And I think the biggest thing that I've like really, really like improved in is that is that confidence, you know, it's it's huge. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It's it's gonna be key, especially if you're wanting to make an Olympic team like you, like you do this year. I mean, yeah. have you always had those Olympic aspirations or is this something that as you ran these really fast times within the past, you know, year or two that you've kind of really, you know, been a focus on? Yeah. I always had aspirations. I always wanted to do it, but I never wanted to put in the work to get there. That makes sense. So quarantine really made me take a step back. Like Noah, like you're 21 years old, right? And you could go down a path of mediocrity or you could be great. And if you want to be great, like, you got to work your ass off. Whatever it is that you're trying to do, like, and my pops told me this when I was a kid, like, bro, if you, like, it don't matter what you do, but you got to do it to be the best. Like, don't just do it to just be, just, just be in it. Like, do it to be the best. So, like, I hear his voice in my head a lot when I'm doing things. And, and that really tried to, that, what that really made me take that, that next step over quarantine and over the summer and in the fall to where, like, mentally I'm to the point now, like, okay, no, like, don't look at, you know, these guys, these professional runners, like up here no more. Like, look at them here, cause you guys are on the same level. Like, that's how I got to. Like, that's how I got to look at it mentally. I feel like if you're trying to be great, you can't 
idolize people no more in your field. Like you have to look at yourself as those are your peers. Like these are my, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like you're now, yeah, you're now running those times that, you know, the, the Michael Normans, the Fred Curleys of the world that are, I'm sure, I'm sure not too long ago, you're watching at the world championships, like, man, I want to be on that line. And you, know, right. you want to be on a, in a position where you're going to be, you're trying to be one of the top three, you know, times of the country, you might have to not be, you know, starstruck or whatever you might, you know, might yeah, call it when you're, yeah, when you're exactly. on the line. Yeah. For sure. Like, so I'm sure you're not the only person on your team that has Olympic aspirations. There's a lot, uh, a lot of people there. How do you, how do you, how do you all like, I don't know, keep each other in check, I guess you could say of making sure that you're on that right path because you know, the Olympics is this year. It's, I mean, you have a couple months, it's not too long until the the trials is going to be on their way. How are you and, and your teammates all pushing each other to be able to perform the best when it becomes what the second or third week in June when when you have to perform at the highest level? Yeah, I mean, I think staying level headed for now and staying hungry. Um, we have keep it real Mondays, so every Monday, um, we keep really keep it real with each other. And if we got anything we want to bring to the table or anything we want to address, we do it right then and there at practice. So usually those things will be like, "Yo, stay humble, stay hungry." Like, bro, you know, Noah, you did great this weekend, bro. But like, don't let that get to your head. Like, you know the mission. Like, you know what we're trying to accomplish. Um, so we we really do hold each other accountable, and uh, every time. You know, I might step out of line or they might see I'm getting big headed. I see they getting big headed or anything like that. It's like, bro, like we kind of check each other. Like, bro, like remember the remember the mission. Like we ain't did nothing yet. You know, like we haven't done anything yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. So when like what are some things that you're working on right now? Because uh, I think yeah, one quote that you've had is like, well, it's it's an ever it's a everlasting uh, ascend for greatness. Like it's the, you know, if you want to be the best, it just keep, there's always things you can improve on. And like you mentioned, even in your, you know, your national championship uh, run, you even saw some things like that you nitpicked on. What are some areas of focus for you with the remainder of outdoor season? I'm sure you have a a handful of meets left, but what are some things that you're focusing and dialed in on so that you can be, you know, all primed to go? Yeah. um, It's a whole lot of things, honestly, but, um, starting with my start, really, that's the biggest thing that I've been focusing on for the past couple of weeks. Uh, really getting that down is my start and really holding my drive phase for as long as I need to. Um, rather than, you know, being impatient and popping up. I know they say like, oh, the 400 block start isn't as important, but when you are starting to run these more elite times and go to these more elite meets, like it is going to be more important to get those milliseconds and tenths and hundreds of seconds um, down to run the most efficient race that I can. So that's what I really been focusing on is my start. How is, uh, cause you're also a part of the four by one as well. So it's not like uh, you're a one trick pony only doing the, the 400. You also had a, a pretty too bad. The wind was a little bit too much, but you dropped a pretty major time in the 200. What was it 22? 28. 20, yeah. 2028. Some, some light, I guess. <laughs> so what's uh, like, how is this, four by one and you know this other you know your speed you know short I guess short distance speed how has that kind of helped you you know with this you know the start that you're you're trying to you know dial in yeah so I mean biggest thing is that explosion like you can't come out in a four like in four by one like you got to run your ass off or for 200 you got to run your ass off so um really working on that explosion and staying quick and that's something that I was constantly like talking to my coaches about during the indoor season um that I really wanted to be on that four by one wanted to run some 200s Cause like for a 400 runner, like it's really important to know what you can run in a 200. Cause if I know I can run 19 seconds in a 200, now I could come through, you know, my first 200 split comfortable at 21, one and 21, two, 
you know, and, and I know I had the strength to finish. So it's, it's little stuff like that too. Not, not, not just the start, but you know, it's, it's confidence stuff too. It's definitely, it definitely helps with the confidence. Oh yeah. You need to know your body uh, in, in track and field. Cause there's a, there are many times when I was especially starting and running the 400 or the four by four where just gone out way too fast. And you're like, Oh, the first 200 is like, man, I, I could, I might break the world record. I just, I'm doing so good. And then man, 10 meters later, you, you think, oh, I, I got to start walking right now. It's too difficult. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Knowing your body and what you can run is going to be, is going to be huge. Um, but uh, yeah. So last thing, like wrapping up with you, like what's the, so what are some areas, what are some things that you want to, to accomplish to be able to get, you know, onto those last, to, to the last three, uh, sorry, top three for the, for the Olympic trials. I mean, you're, Right about at that mark right now, uh, uh, with your your current PR forty four uh, seventy one, but you're like a, there's like we said there's a couple of really big names Curly and Norman two people that are definitely going to be be on that podium for the the four hundred for the Olympic yeah. Olympic trials as well as as many other people. Like what's what's the last things physically and and mentally as well? We've gone over you know some physical stuff, but mentally, what are you going to need to do to make sure that you know you're you're finishing up with that top three? I really just got to be locked in like that, that whole, the 400 meter is like, it, you got to be locked in that whole way from start to finish. You know, if you have that elapsed, elapsed mentally, you know, where you get to that 250 mark and you're like, damn, I'm hurting. Like, I don't know. That's, that's time there where they're probably going. You know what I mean? They're not worried about that. They're not thinking about that. But if I'm thinking about that in a race, like I said, that's time where they're going to pull away from me. And I might have a couple other dudes might pass up, pass me up, you know, if I, if I'm thinking that way, but if I'm locked in that whole entire race, just focus on what I need to do where I'm at in the race, then, then I think that'll be my best chance of being, being successful um, at the trials, you know, cause I know physically I put in the work and I'm gonna keep putting in the work. I just got to stay healthy. Like at this point, you know, not doing anything stupid, not running unnecessary races, um, just staying healthy until that meet comes, and when that meet comes, you know, let's go. Like, let's get it there. Like, it's time to go because I really want it. I know how bad I want it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess so. I guess we won't be seeing you in any long jump or anything like that, unfortunately. Nah, I'm done with that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, Noah, thanks a lot for, for taking the time uh, to do this. Uh, really appreciate it. I mean, where could people go if they wanted to, to follow more and learn more about you and your journey uh, here at Track and Field? Yeah, just, just follow me on Instagram, uh, international underscore Noah. Um, click the link in my bio. I got a lot of stuff that I like to update on there too. You know, I just try to stay posted on my stories and stuff. Just, just keep an eye out for that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, Noah, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who's been listening. This has been another episode of Track World News. Uh, if you'd like more content, you can follow us at Track World News on Instagram. Uh, also, make sure that you leave a like, subscribe, follow the show. Really helps us know that you're enjoying the content. Have a good one and peace. We'll <laughs>